All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we had everybody from school administrators to teachers to school boards to politicians telling us that CRT is not in your classroom, that nobody's trying to talk uh, about sex with your kids in elementary school, et cetera. Nobody's trying to do any of these things. And yet more evidence has just come out showing that at least for some people, that's exactly what they want to do. And they have been doing it and some of it in the most perverse and criminal ways possible. We're going to update you on some reports that just landed within about the last 48 hours um, on what has been going on, why it's horrific and what we can actually do about it. I'm Nick Freitas, your host with Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. Nick, you just got back from session, right? I did get back from I'm session. I'm excited to hear that. We've got some great stuff coming up today on this show. If you enjoy listening, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and drop a comment on the YouTube channel telling us something maybe that you learned new today. All right. As always, I'm your host, Nick Freitas, member of the Virginia House of Delegates, but other than that, a good person. With us, back by popular demand, my wife, Queen of the Bees, Tina. Hello, everybody. And she's got her official Queen of the Bees mug. It's I'm not Queen of the Bees. I'm an amateur. <laughs> How dare you? And with us, as always, our resident historian and political prognosticator, Christian Hines. Hi. How you doing? Doing all right. How you doing? I'm, I just got an A on my second grad school That's fantastic. Paper, so. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Nice. Feeling Christian. great. Nice. We should... About the Soviet war in Afghanistan. Unfortunately, we can't talk about that. <laughs> we, should, we should put that on the refrigerator. Desk. And, uh, <laughs> and, of course, producer of producers, Nick Hamilton, the good Hamilton, the one that doesn't like central banking. That's correct. Tina, I think your Queen of the Bees name is, is already stuck. It's already been established. It's already been established. Right, well, I, I better I, not mess this up. Like, it would be horrible if I lost all my bees this year somehow. We like, won't, they swarm we and they leave We don't me. have to tell anybody. <laughs> Nobody has to know that. <laughs> no, they don't need to know. Nobody has to know that. <laughs> it's not like we have the hive right here. Like, oh, let's check in on it. Although we should do an observation hive. Anyway, let's jump Life right stream? into this. Yeah. So as you just said... As you just said, I, I got back from legislative session and we were going back down there. We're finalizing the budget and the governor had some of his amendments. And part of that had to do with trying to expand school choice. And one of the things we had in there had to do with dollars following students. And guess what? My colleagues on the other side of the aisle had to say about that. It turns out that if you allow for Wait, more. Don't spoil it. Are, can, can we all make a guess? No. Because I was going to guess racism. <laughs> <laughs> racism or sexism would have been a, a good one. Um, and actually, that did come up. We were accused of being racist if you if you like school choice. What about uh, bigoted? Is bigoted one? It kind of fell into a larger category. I'm like watching my bigotry. bingo card over here going, okay, yeah. we got bigoted. We've got racist. Yeah, racist, bigoted. Anymore? Somehow, it was also going to be transphobic and sexist. We actually didn't get to that this time. Wow. Really? But Shocking. We have, yeah, we have in the past. No, no, the, their favorite. Republicans want to defund public schools. And we thought that was interesting because we had actually passed a larger budget for education in general to include public schools. But there was one thing, one thing in there that was interesting. It had to do with lab schools. Really? And with these lab schools that we're setting up where basically it's a way for universities, public or private, that really scared them, public or private, to be able to work with different schools in order to set up, you know, diverse educational opportunities where you can kind of try out various things with respect to industry, with respect to technology, um, and really kind of an exciting program. And we were told that if the dollars followed the students, then what we really wanted to do was defund public education. And I thought this was interesting because Every time you hear someone say that, 
the question you should ask back, and it's the one that, you know, Gordy Angelus asks every single time, why would dollars following students, right? So you haven't decreased any funding. In fact, in most cases, you're increasing it. Why would dollars following the student defund public schools unless you're suggesting that if you actually gave the parents and the students an option, they wouldn't choose the option you're currently mandating that they use by law unless they can afford an alternative. Is that what you're admitting? Because five seconds ago, you told us that there's no difference with charter schools. In fact, they, they, they don't perform as well as public schools, and our public schools are far more superior to these other options. And yet, you're terrified that if a parent has an option, they won't choose the government one. You know, kind of like some of my colleagues in the General Assembly that talk a good game about public school, but surprisingly enough, don't send their own children there. <gasps> Can you drop some that. names? Can you tell us who they are? I'm not going to do that. I don't. Can I, don't I do it? People's, I don't is is it one of them actually it. a teacher in the public schools that and might, sends their the child case. to a private school? Wow. Mm-hmm. Also, our, um, I our just, ex-governor and, and yeah. also loser yeah, <laughs> who, who tried Cameron to win a second term. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've got something that you might actually want to briefly touch on. Yeah. It's r- directly related to this. I remember last fall mm-hmm. um, in your race against um, Annette Hyde, yeah. um, there was a forum where the discussion about CRT and schools and whatnot was brought up. And um, there were two things. One was was the amazing, by the way, the thing that I'm about to reference, it's on Facebook. It Go is. to Nick's Facebook yeah. page if you want to watch it. It, it. We posted it on Twitter viral. too. Um, it literally did go viral. I mean, I remember there were like members of Congress that were retweeting this and it, it got thousands and thousands of retweets. It's a, it's a great exchange about the issue of school choice yeah. for those who haven't seen it. But the, there was another exchange, not between you and Annette Hyde, but between you and I want to say it might've been somebody that was working within the public school system in another forum around that same time. This was last fall. Mm-hmm. And the issue of school choice was brought up um, and allowing dollars to follow students. And I remember the response that this lady gave about basically how she didn't trust parents. Yeah. And that stuck with me. And the reason that it, I'm thinking of it now is because to your point that you just made at the very beginning of this podcast, I don't think that the left is actually being hypocritical here. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think the left is kind of to a degree letting the mask slip because when you say, you know, you know, could it be that parents won't choose, you know, the public school system? Well, how could that be if the public school system is is so superior to everything? I, I think that the left approaches this from a way different perspective than us. I think sure. the left approaches this from the perspective of the parent doesn't know what's yeah. best. And yeah. and that's that's the that's the best way to describe it. The worst way to describe it is the parent is a bigoted, racist, sexist, homophobic, you know, racist you know, jerk. And we are the good, you know, noble white knights who know what's best for the children. Well, they want to be white knights. That's racist, but yeah. (laughs) You get what I mean though, that that we know what's best for the children and it's the parent that's the bad guy here. Oh, I mean, let's, let's face it. If you go back and you look at like John Dewey, he was one of the most influential um, kind of intellectuals surrounding modern American public education. He didn't, he didn't make a secret of this. He thought one of the main purposes of public school was to basically train the, what he thought were the backwards values that parents were tra- teaching their kids to train that out of them, right? And, you, and you've seen members of teachers' unions say the same thing where it's like, well, when the kids come here, they, they belong to us. Um, Terry McAuliffe basically said the exact same thing, yeah. never retracted it, lost an election Doubled over down. it, lost yeah. an election over it, and still isn't sorry. It, it, that's the incredible thing. He didn't just not retract. He literally doubled down. Doubled and the down. thing is, is that you saw this over and over again. Um, who is the individual that's a huge proponent of school choice at the national level? Is it Corey DeAngelis? Yes. Yeah. Corey DeAngelis, who, by, by the way, go check out his Twitter. He's a great, you know, great friends with all of us, huge supporter of Nick. They've done a lot of go- uh, cool work together in Virginia. But if you go check out Corey DeAngelis' Twitter account, he posts repeatedly screenshots, video, audio, photographic evidence. He pu- he has all the receipts of Republicans and Democrats, yep. plenty of Democrats, but also plenty of Republicans that have 
said the exact same thing that Terry McAuliffe said in Virginia last fall yeah. over and over again in multiple different states. It's it, in the reason why, and it goes back to what I was just saying earlier. The reason why is because the left truly does believe this. Yeah. Well, and that and that's the thing. They they understand on some level that they can't lead with it, so it always has to be about someone else attacking public schools or attacking public school teachers or or whatever it is. And and it's ridiculous because we would not use this sort of reasoning in, in any other scenario, right? Like if I went into the hospital and the doctor cut off the wrong leg and I said, Well, that doctor's horrible, like we want to be like, How dare you insult the institution of the medical doctors, industry? Right? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, how how could you how could you say that you have a problem with a particular hospital or, and, and this goes with anything else? Not to mention the fact that it's also kind of absurd for us to say, Well, yeah, of course dollars would follow students, and then to say, Well, do you want to defund public schools? And and I and I pointed this out on the house floor. I said, I, I don't think you guys get it. If if you guys would like to continue to fund buildings right? With no students in them. I mean, that's one approach. I don't think you win on that. We want to put the emphasis on the education for the student. You want to put the emphasis on a particular government system that you control. And I actually had one, one of my colleagues stand up and said, well, we don't want this. You know, the problem with private school is that it's more capitalist. That was also crazy. It's more capitalist. It creates winners and losers because you have some schools that will do better than other schools. And I got up, I said, oh wait, so let me get this straight. A system where there's choice and competition between service providers creates winners and losers, but a government monopolized system, oh, nobody ever loses in that scenario. Well, yeah, that's why we have no child left behind. Right, yeah, exactly. We have, <laughs> we have schools in our own area here in Culpeper, um, one in particular that had a 70% failure rate in math. Oh, it, it, and and so we, talk about creating winners and losers in society. Well, in, in what she Give was, me a break. what she was fundamentally misunderstanding when, when she made this comment, she's made it like twice and I finally got up and had to respond to it. What she's fundamentally misunderstanding about the whole idea of choice and competition is that she's treating it as it's competition with the students or between the students. That's not the choice or competition we're talking about. What we're talking about is service providers competing for those students, because when, when Walmart and Target compete with one another, one might do better than the other on any given month or any given fiscal year or whatnot. But you know who always does better? The customers that had options. Right. Because both Target and Walmart are competing to get, to give the best experience possible to that customer, the best product for the best price. But when you'd have the government control it, oh, you still have winners and losers. It's just the differences is the winners that are all the people that benefit from that particular arrangement, which is usually government employees and government bureaucrats, at the expense of the people that are actually using it or that the whole institution was created for in the first place that now have no other options except what you've handed them. So it, it is the most backwards way to look at what injecting choice into an educational environment actually provides and where the competition actually not, is. Not to mention when the private school fails at doing their job, they suffer the consequences. Yeah. Those students leave. Yeah. But when the public institution fails at doing their job, they, they get they, more funding. They get more funding they get and more they yield funding. No, yeah. none of the consequences. Well, and, and you see it in that logic, right? You're going to defund public schools. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fund students mm -hmm. because I don't know where the student is going to go to school at. But wherever the student is going to school, that's the institution I want to get the money. Why, why would you dream up a scenario where a student gets educated over here, but the money goes over here? The money goes to the place the student left because it wasn't doing a good job because we're going to make it better that way. Well, uh, it, I do think that there tends to be a little bit of an us and them mentality. It's more like they think that the the students belong to them and the students are part of the competition against yeah. other students outside of their yeah. little wheelhouse. Yeah. Every time you look at the Tebow bill or anything like that, they bring a parade of students in going, how can you let those kids who don't go to our school do anything um, with us because they aren't part of us. They aren't one of us. Right. And it's a very, very um, otherizing situation. And anybody that has, uh, you know, any question as to where they're learning all this bullying from, maybe they should look at that. Well, maybe I, they should look at what is fundamentally coming down and creating that kind of a mentality. I can't tell you how many people, when they find out that we homeschool, they will they will just come at me with all the buzzwords and all the talking points that they have they they are literally regurgitating from those who have taught it to them in the schools. What are, what are some of those buzzwords? 
What about socialization? <laughs> That's the number one. Number what about one. Social- because apparently oh, and, there's- But homeschoolers are awkward. Yeah. They're awkward. Uh, and, and what makes you think that you're qualified to teach your child how to read? Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this, but there was no such thing as literacy until we had teachers with $60,000 right. in student loan debt and a master's degree in education from, you know, university in Pennsylvania. There was, nobody could read before that, that happened. That's the special qualification you require. And and again, I'm not trying to diminish specialization within teaching. I think teaching is, is both a gift, an art and a a technical science. Even in a situation with school choice, there will still be specialization. Yeah. But, but it's this, it's this kind of arrogant attitude. There might be more specialization. Yeah. It's kind of this arrogant attitude that, um, no, it has to be done this particular way. Well, some of that is, I believe that that is taught to these people and it is reinforced over and over and over again at every level of education that they take. I, and was the reason why is because they are teaching everybody that in order to break into this field, you must have X, Y, and Z, and this is the only way and everything else is bad. And it, it really kind of demonizes Every other option. Well, I, I think what's sad is that, you know, I graduated from college in 2017, and my college years were highly valuable. I wouldn't be sitting here if I hadn't gone to college. But I think right now with, you know, folks who are going through college at the moment, we're really starting to see how college, that four-year degree is becoming less and less valuable. But those who are going to college right now have options to change whatever path they are on to what's most suitable for what they want to do in the future. The kids in elementary school, middle school, and high school, they don't have that option. Well, I think it's, and this kind of goes, so that's one problem, right? It's it's this whole illogical argument, this this illogical animosity toward op, not even just homeschooling, but just options outside of the government-run system. It's an in- institutionalized mindset. It, yeah, it very much is. Um but here's the other thing that I think has really just tipped the scales recently. And it's not just like what happened with COVID when schools shut down. It's what parents were actually seeing what was going on on the screen. Because now for the first time, they were actually inside the classroom, right. to, in a matter of speaking. And I want to bring up this article. And uh, I, I got to hand it to Ian Pryor, man. The guy has just done yeoman's work on, on getting all this information together. But it's called The Definitive Proof Critical Race Theory is Being Taught in Our Schools. And it's interesting because he, he goes through – he goes through um, a particular case that happened. Now, before anybody says, well, this is just, you know, one case in, um, oh, where was it? Pennsylvania, I think. Um, oh, yeah. A neighbor of ours. One case in Pennsylvania. <laughs> to Christian's point, we had a debate. I had a debate with somebody that was, you know, again, running against me that not only suggested, not only said that CRT is not being taught in our schools, but that anybody that was bringing it up was essentially trying to divide us along racial lines. And I brought out a bunch of information from the Virginia Department of Education website. Right, not not the Heritage Foundation, right? Not not Cato from the Virginia Department of Education website, and it had to go with the equity training that they were sending their teachers through, and where they were recommend. So the seminars that the teachers sat through, and the areas that they were recommending teachers go to to get lessons plans, in order to uh, teach, you know, cultural relevancy and and things like that. They never called it CRT. And then they come kind of out and call it critical race theory. But if you looked at who was designing it, it were advocates of critical race theory. I mean, they actually had quotes in the documentation from Robin DiAngelo and Eber Max Kindy. And so I, I brought this out and I, I had, you know, I had some members of the school board and I said, well, this isn't, this isn't being done. I said, no, they're, I, I'm not claiming that you guys are going into the third grade class and be like, okay, kids, open your textbooks to page 42. Today, we're going to discuss critical race theory. I'm not suggesting you're doing that. I'm suggesting that you're requiring all of your credentialed teachers to go through this training and then to view their subject matter and the way they look at issues in society through the lens of critical race theory. That's what I'm suggesting you're doing, and I'm suggesting you're doing it because you are. But this case in Pennsylvania was excellent. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through this part for you real quick. Um. There was, um, let me see here. Uh, so the school district was, I'm going to mess this up. I think Treddy, Treddy Friend East Town. Yeah, Treddy Friend East Town Area School T- District, TESD in Pennsylvania. And what happened was is that there was a parent, uh, Ben Oslander, and he exercised his legal right to inspect the documents from teacher training that were being used by that school district. 
And so while he was inspecting the document, documents, a school administrator saw that he was taking voice notes. And he said, well, that's a copyright violation and ended the inspection. Didn't allow him to inspect anymore. So they went in. They filed a lawsuit through America First Legal, which is uh, the group Ian Pryor works through. And they got access to the information. So keep in mind, this is what teachers are going through as part of their equity training, as part of their cultural sensitivity training. And it's got all these pictures where it actually shows, like right here. Like we're not even, they're not even hiding the ball when it comes to this, but it shows several steps to include equity, anti-racism, courageous conversations, critical race theory. This is all part of the school transformation action plan. Now, here's what I want to point out. Whenever we said this crap is going on in our schools, they are doing this. We got told it wasn't happening, but we got told it wasn't happening by a bunch of people that seemed strangely supportive of something that they swore up and down wasn't happening. And then a parent goes and says, I want to, okay, I want to see what you're doing, right? The parent didn't take my word for it. He didn't take Ian Pryor's word for it. He said, okay, great. I have a right to look at what, you know, what you're teaching my kid or what your teachers are going through before you teach my kid. I want to take a look at it. And all of a sudden it's this, it's everything we've been saying it is. And as much as the left has come out and said, oh, they're, they're just crazy people. They just, we're just trying to teach honest history. no. You, you are teaching a particular theory to your teachers with the expectation that they will carry it into the classroom. You lied to us. You repeatedly lied to us. So a, a big part of what is going on with school choice right now is no longer just this argument about what's the most efficient or effective method by which to educate a diverse student body. Now it's, I know that you don't mind lying to me. Because if I'm not pushing the same, if I'm not pushing on my kids what you want to push to the public school system, you'll cover it up, you'll lie to me about it, you'll send people after me, like the National School Board Association did when they were trying to work with the Department of Justice, trying to get the National Guard deployed to school board trying meetings. Trying to label parents terrorists. Under, under domestic terrorism law. I mean, the, the links that they have been willing to go in order to cover up and to lie to parents about what they're doing is incredible to me. You know what it is? It's projection. <laughs> now think about it. Yeah. Like it, 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 it is, they are guilty of the thing that they are accusing us of doing yeah. because they're accusing us of view of, of dividing based on race. I'm sorry, but they're the ones that are dividing based on race. I mean, at the end of the day, the average person, I think just wants their, they just want their kids to be able to learn how to do things like math and yep. read and and understand basic history. And and I, I to the history point, somebody who deeply cares about history, yeah. um, I I find it so fascinating that the left keeps trying to say that that we don't want to teach about history. At no point have I ever seen anybody on the right say we should not teach about slavery. We should not teach about the Civil War. We should not teach about the 13th Amendment, or we shouldn't teach about the Triangle Trade, or, or, or any Crow, of that stuff, or, or Jim Crow. Or the Tulsa Massacre. Or, or there, in, in fact, there's some things in history, and th this is what is so fascinating, because like, there are things in history that have been whitewashed. The Tulsa Massacre is a good example. Yeah. That was almost completely forgotten until just a few years ago. And I think it's a great thing that that's now in, in the public, you know, sphere and, and talked about. It's a, it's a major historical event, certainly in the history of Oklahoma. And there's, there's nobody, there's absolutely nobody on the right. And I don't mean this in the sense that like, nobody wants to take your guns, nobody. Yeah, I mean yeah. this in, in the sense that there actually is I nobody. Mean, I'm sure there's some crazy uh, somewhere, but there, I don't know them. <laughs> there, sure. Let me, yeah. let me rephrase that to say there's almost certainly somebody, right? Yeah. But there's nobody that I know of um, that, that doesn't think that there's, there's things in American history that, that we shouldn't talk about because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's controversial. That's not the problem no. because there's plenty of things that are horrible in, in not just American history and world history, because let's be honest, a lot of the, the so-called sins of the United States are really sins of humanity. But the issue is not talking about history. The issue is the lens through which you're teaching it. And if you're going to teach history through the lens of CRT or you're going to teach it through the lens of critical theory in general, which is a subsection of Marxism, you're going to end up effectively indoctrinating kids into believing a worldview through a, a – a, 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 again, it's no longer about race at that point. It's about the philosophy behind CRT, which is ultimately rooted in critical theory, which is a subsection of Marxism. Yeah. It, and, and it's so difficult for, for – 
conservatives to get this across. And so the left, it's so easy for them to caricature them as being racist or, you know, being conspiratorial. But but seriously, dig deep into the roots of this stuff and you will find that the roots of it is rooted in Marxism. And that's the problem. There's people out there that they don't I don't want if I have kids, I don't want my kids to be growing up thinking that Marx was right, because I'm sorry, the labor theory of value is garbage. (laughs) Like it's (laughs) well, and and it it goes back like there's this other component here because all this comes out from the Pacific Educational Group. Right. A lot a lot of these training materials that school boards are playing paying like through the nose through in order to get this training for their teachers. Pacific Educational Group, again, just they don't hide the ball when you go to their website and you ask them what they're about. They'll tell you what they're about. But here's one of the things that I, I think has just been you, you want to talk about racism. So they have this thing on what is whiteness. I'm going to read this off. The virtual invisibility that whiteness affords those of us who have it is like psychological money in the bank, the proceeds of which we cash in every day while others are in a state of perpetual overdraft. Right, That's from Tim Wise, Membership Has Its Privileges, Rethinking Schools, summer of 2002. All right, so this has been around for a while, right? But let's talk about some of the things that they are telling teachers are components of whiteness. And if you think this is a one-off, if you think that I went and found some like weird site that nobody uses, they are saying the same things that was put up at museums in the Smithsonian. So no, this is mainstream within this theory. Whites are taught to see themselves as individuals rather than part of a racial group. Independence and autonomy are highly valued and rewarded. Be polite. Must always do something about a situation. Hard work is the key to cast and key to success and work before play. Emphasis on the scientific method, adherence to rigid time schedules and plan for the future, nuclear family, father and mother, two to three kids is ideal. They're saying that these concepts are white. You know what? Which means presumably if you're not white and you agree with the scientific method. Internalized racism. Yes. Like, can you imagine, can you imagine the audacity of walking in and telling a child that the idea of working hard or being a part of a nuclear family or believing in individual liberty or applying the scientific method and linear thinking and rational thought. No, no, that that's a white thing you're doing. And it's a bad thing. How yeah. horribly Wait, what sort of a, what sort of, I'm sorry, what sort of a sick individual do you have to be to teach any subject through that lens to a young mind that is there to learn on how to effectively think critically and yet that's what they're doing. And they have the audacity to say that wait, we're the racist ones. Yeah, they're the ones that fundamentally believe in white supremacy. I mean, well, it's just remember that there's this YouTube video. If, if we could find it, we should play it at some point. Not it doesn't have to be today, but at some point there's this YouTube video of woke versus racism. Yes. And, and, and it's two guys that are like, comedians. hi, I'm woke and I'm racist. Yeah. And then they both say the same thing, meaning different things, but they're saying the exact yeah. same yep. thing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I, right I will along. also add this. This is not just extremely twisted psychologically. And, and I would argue in many ways, like immoral, it's also historically inaccurate. Oh, totally. Because, there was a point in time in American history where black families had a stronger nuclear family than whites. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, there's a quote, I believe it's actually from Thomas Sowell. He, he shows up time and time again where he talks about, it might've been Walter Williams, but I'm pretty sure it was Thomas Sowell where he talked about the strength of the black family in like some of the worst times in American history for African-Americans, like during slavery or during Jim Crow. And black families had a lower divorce rate than whites. Um, they had... Like, you know, this is like before, you know, LBJ and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And 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 the, the black family was in many ways like the ideal American family like 100 years ago. Um, and that is what I find so fascinating, because like nowadays it's being described that like, you know, the nuclear family is a white thing. That, that historically is not actually true. Well, and, and that's the part I don't understand about any of this. It's this idea that, now, can you look at different cultures throughout space and time that have emphasized different things to different degrees? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You can, you can find all sorts of cases of that. Are you really going to tell me that the, oh, yeah, the Nazis were really big on individualism? No, they weren't. <laughs> they, they were all about. Like, they Huge were, collectivists. Oh, my gosh. They were all collectivists. Marxists. Collectivists. Right. So th- this idea that this is a white trait, not to mention the fact that, OK, critical thinking or, or an, 
Really? Or the scientific so, method? So or? you don't you don't think so I I guess when I guess when the Chinese were building the largest fleet, you know, in, in world history. And inventing gunpowder in the yeah, printing press. They just, they just weren't big yeah. into the scientific method or scientific yeah. inquiry or like those were I wonder I wonder if all of those incredible scientists from the Middle East or Africa. Yeah, the or Baghdad China. House of Wisdom, yeah. white <laughs> Yeah, they they were all thinking to themselves like, gosh, yeah, we're are we being white right now? No. They, they were making rational observations about the, the physical world and coming to certain logical conclusions about how to apply it in order to make things better. But these guys want to come in and say, oh, no, that's whiteness. How arrogant. I mean, just – but again – they demonstrated that not only were they doing this, but they were deliberately trying to cover it up. They were lying to us. And th that's gotten so frustrating to me is that, you know, you don't, you don't get to sit there and gaslight us. And then we show time and time again, evidence after evidence after evidence that you are doing this and still come back and call us the bad guys. Because if you think this is good, then why weren't you coming out and making a case for it? Why weren't you coming out and advocating for it? Because they knew they couldn't sell the parents on that garbage. So I've got something. But, but they wanted our kids. I agree. And, I, and I'm just, I am so fed up with this. So I've got something that could wrap up this segment that I think is actually a really telling story. I know somebody, and I'm absolutely not going to drop names in this story. I know somebody that is, I don't know if you could describe him on the right, but, um, act, you know, actually neo-Confederate actually, you know, the stuff that the left claims that everybody yeah. on the right is, yeah. right? And he told me once, this is many years ago, this was probably like three years ago. Um, this is around the time that like the CRT stuff was starting to bubble to the surface, but it wasn't yet being plastered in a bunch of headlines everywhere. And I remember he told me that his biggest objection to the CRT stuff is not the claims, it's the Marxism. <laughs> and that right there told me that, holy cow, this is really really bad then yeah because i do not really have a very high opinion of this guy oh no um and he basically made the argument that yeah these are all white things it was and it's a good thing horrible and 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 his only objection was was the 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 latent marxism that's yeah. in it and obviously i mean my objection is everything that's yeah. in it it's the marxism it's the racism it's 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 the historical inaccuracies behind it it's everything but what i found so fascinating was going back to that video Somebody that actually was yeah. at least prejudiced, if not yeah. actually racist by the classical definition, yeah. agreed with these leftists on the story of CRT. The only objection he had was he didn't like the Marxism. Yeah. That was his only that was his only objection. Well, and and speaking of speaking of projection, let's go to another category that really boiled over about things going on in our public schools. And this obviously happened down in Florida when they were talking about, you know, they called it the don't say gay bill, even though there was nothing about saying gay. It was about, hey, you're not going to talk about gender ideology and, and sex with third graders and younger, right? You still could with fourth graders, but not third graders and younger. And that was enough to make everybody on the left, to include Disney, just lose their minds. And then all of a sudden, libs of TikTok, again, doing yeoman's work, showed all of these Public school teachers that were coming out, they're talking about how they, they came out to their kids as being trans or queer or whatever. And we're talking about it was a good thing to talk to, uh, to, talk to these kids. Well, I want to I read off something. I want to read off a tweet here. Um, and this is, again, this is what this person says about themselves. And here's how they engaged in this larger conversation about, you know, when is it appropriate or what's appropriate to talk about with kids, you know, young children. So... His description of himself on Twitter is socialist high school teacher fighting for a better society for my students to graduate into artist, dancer, singer, photographer, writer, creative educator, Hawaii, USA. And then as some of these debates were going on, here was, here was one of this, um, here's one of the um, replies that this teacher gave. She goes, or he goes, um, you're effing acting like we want to show kids porn or something. But something I've learned through the years is that whenever right-wingers accuse others of something, it's definitely because they're projecting, right? That was his response. So why did I bring this person up? Well, let's, let's go to the headline here. Woke Hawaii teacher busted for grooming 13-year-olds sexually assaulting him on video. This teacher, right, 
admitted to recording himself having sex with a 13-year-old student and sharing the footage along with hundreds of other images and videos depicting child pornography. And who was he sharing it with? Another teacher in Pennsylvania. But yeah, really interesting when someone's sitting there like, oh, well, when the right does this, they're projecting. How do you, <laughs> how do you go on Twitter and think, oh, you know what? I'm going to show these guys. I'm going I'm to say they're all projecting when they're worried about you know, this over-sexualization of young children. As you're filming yourself. Creating porn with a 13-year-old boy. Very bold. <laughs> I mean. He knew what so, he was doing, well, and yet he no, still he, wrote he still, that. No, but he, <laughs> and, he, and he wrote it with all of the moral conviction. Well, it's because. Nick, of somebody that thought he was correct. Here's what you're missing. He didn't want to show kids porn. He wanted to make porn with kids. Yeah. That's the difference. Uh, he did say he was a uh, creator, photographer. Yeah, creative educator. He's 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 just pursuing his own, what's, what's the phrase? Self-actualization. Yeah, yeah. He's just going for the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, th th this is the problem with the Maslow, you know, with, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think you brought this up before that like, well, what if my self-actualization involves brutally oppressing other people? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what if your self-actualization involves mentally tormenting a child yeah. with pornography. I mean, th th honestly, this is why this is why child porn is not protected under the first amendment because it, first off, children can't give consent. And second off, yeah. it does immeasurable psychological harm. Yeah. I, I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier with projecting, I do find it very ironic that he accused the right of projecting. Oh yeah. Something that he literally was engaged in at the time that he wrote this, and then ended up being busted for it later. Oh, he went. He went on to write another thing. He goes, "You have yet to demonstrate why teaching kids basic sex ed and discussing gender sexuality with them is grooming." While well, I've repeatedly explained why, don't tell me to effing Google anything. This is also why no one should take you guys seriously. You can never back shit up. Wow. So again, this guy who, who knows he's guilty of what he's doing is going on Twitter. And, and this is the part where, again, this is why so many of us have gotten to a point where we see, you know, certain members of school boards. We see certain, again, not all members, not all teachers, not all. But if you want to know why so much trust has been lost, it's because we can watch someone like this go on with just complete you know, air of sense of moral superiority. Absolute sociopath. And say, you, what you're saying we're doing, we're not doing that. That's right. In fact, you're probably doing that. And he's doing it in the worst possible way. And got busted for it. And then it was documented and put up on libs of TikTok. This yeah. is the thing that's so crazy at this point. Like, I, I, I've thought about this over and over and over again. Why do these people keep publishing these TikToks? <laughs> stop, <laughs> Think stop, about stop. it. No, 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 no. Don't, no, tell, no. don't tell them not to. No. Come I, on. We, I, this I know that I'm hurting our cause really by saying this, but, but but honestly, think about it for a second. Think about it. How, like how many times now? It's got to be at least a couple dozen, if not, oh, if not oh, way hundreds more, way more. of times where, where some left-wing nut job in the public school system says something that, that the average person, apolitical, not even yeah. somebody like us on the right, just apolitical. Maybe they even voted for Joe Biden because they didn't like mean tweeting. Yeah. But now they're probably regretting the fact that they're paying $5 <laughs> gas. But yeah. point is, is that like, like somebody apolitical will see this stuff from libs of TikTok and, and they themselves, let alone us, they will be mortified. You would think, and, and over and over again, these people are getting fired. They're being yep. arrested. They're being busted by the police in, in sex trafficking rings and stuff like that. It is, it is insane how I, I understand maybe after one or two instances, you wouldn't learn the lesson, but after instance number 467, yeah. you would think that these people would just stop making TikToks. Well, do you know, do you know why they don't? Because that would require critical thinking and critical thinking is whiteness. It's an act of whiteness. So you can't, well, most of these people acts, are white. You can't so. engage in acts of whiteness, Christian. That's, I mean, that's why that is a, another uh, <laughs> Tyler stupid. actually and this is so funny because Tyler watches this podcast. Yeah. So. Hi, Tyler. <laughs> Tyler. Everyone say hi to Tyler. Um, hi, Tyler. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tyler, great guy, great political operative, um, works in a congressman's office in the Shenandoah Valley. But um, Tyler once told me we went to college together. And it was um, this is around the time that like this wokeism stuff was really becoming a big issue. It was, it was our senior year. And we were driving around Harrisonburg and Tyler told me, you know, something I've noticed is it's always 
white people on the left that are doing that. Yes, <laughs> it is. It, it absolutely is. And think about it. This it over and over and over again. It's always some white progressive. Yeah. That it, that that is doing this sort of stuff. And going back to the projecting stuff, I I. I I don't I don't know how to finish the joke and I don't know how to finish the thesis, but there is some connection there that has to be that the people most obsessed with the CRT stuff in the public schools and the people that are the ones being broadcast on libs of TikTok are almost I'd say 98 percent of them are white progressives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's it, got to be, be some close. connection there and I don't know what it is yet. I <laughs> I, I just, I, I mean, you look at something like this and obviously, um, you know, you, you feel horrible for the kid who was abused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we, you know, I hope they just absolutely throw the book at this guy, but this, it, it goes part. And, and again, people will say, Oh, you're, you're cherry picking. You know, we have tens of thousands of teachers all across the country and you're just highlighting some, okay, well, we have tens of thousands of cops. We have tens of thousands of, you know, soldiers. We have tens of that. And the left certainly never doesn't mind you know, taking instances and then projecting across everybody. We're not even doing that. All we're saying is that this is a problem. And some of the people screaming the loudest about the rest of us projecting when we bring it up ends up being the one, the very people we're talking about. You know, it's even more than that because when a bad cop is found, like a good example is, yeah. is that guy in um, Charleston from like three or four years ago who yeah. shot that black man in the back. Yeah. Like literally like murdered the guy. Yeah. Shot him in the back and killed him and then walked up to the body and like dropped something in order to implicate him and yeah. in, in, in say that, oh, he had like a gun or something like that. That guy's sitting in a prison cell right yeah. now. On convicted of and murder. And we're all happy about and it. Rightfully <laughs> so. We are all happy Rightfully about so. It. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that I would like to say – Everybody is a flawed person, but I would like to say that that on average, people on the right, when they find instances of bad police or bad military or bad politicians or bad public officials whatsoever, we want the book thrown at them yeah. Yeah. because we want the rule of law upheld. So when the left comes back and says, oh, well, you're cherry picking, you're only using a few examples. And then if we reply with, well, you do the same thing with the police, the difference is, is that – we're not trying to defend bad cops. Yeah. They're trying to defend bad teachers. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when we support school choice, you know what what the consequence of school choice is, not just for the for the child, but for the um, for the teacher. It means that good teachers will be rewarded. Oh yeah, because yeah. in the public school system, good teachers are not rewarded. You know what's rewarded is seniority. Yeah, seniority and having the right political connections. Those yeah. are the things that are rewarded in the public school system. It's not how well you teach. It's not how well you educate your kids. It's not if 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 you can you know do better than you, than your peers and and improve test scores or improve reading you know comprehension or anything like that. It's it's simply how long have you been in the system? Yeah. No, it, it, it is. And I, I again, I, I've met with teachers before. Who it, It's crazy. Like when teachers want to meet with me, it's usually like, please, like we, we need to meet somewhere where like the superintendent's never going to find out or what, like they're actually scared sometimes mm -hmm. of their superintendents or they're scared of their principals or, or administrators or whatnot. Not always. Yeah. Right. But um, I've had those I've had those instances. And, and it's amazing when the teachers are sitting down and talking to me at that point, one of the biggest things they're talking about is like, I don't, I don't even know if I can do this anymore. And it's not because of the I mean. I, I sat with a group of four teachers once, not once did pay come up. It was all about the fact that they felt like they had no control over their classroom anymore. Uh, they had no control with respect to discipline. They had no control with respect to teachable moments. They had no control with respect to being able to adapt their curriculum to meet a student where they were at because nope, you had to, you had to track all these different lines. You had to check all these different boxes. Um, and like That's the thing that I think is left out over and over again because oh, the left accuses us of being anti-teacher. We're not anti-teacher. You know, no. we are we are anti what um, uh, John Stossel would call the blob. Yeah. Um, when he talks about the public school system, we're we're, we're we're against this whole one size fits all monopolization of education. And here's the good thing, right? Here's the thing I'm actually encouraged on. Um, Corey DeAngelis tweeted this out. It was a uh, article in the Washington Examiner on the 2022 elections is that political suicide, GOP representatives backed by teachers unions fall in primaries. And this has been true like all over the country. All over the country, you've had strong incumbent Republicans that you know talked a good game with respect to things like school choice. And then when they had the opportunity to vote for it, they didn't. They were immediately challenged in the primary and got crushed. 
I mean, we're we're talking about people where and these aren't rinky dink freshmen. No, we're explain not, yeah. explain the seniority of some of these people. You some told me the story a few some days ago. Some of these people that are losing are like chairman of the appropriations committee, um, or, or they're chairman. Ex- explain of, how important that I, is. I'm, go, I'm going to, or like chairman of the education committee. So understand something. This is the part that you don't hear in Schoolhouse Rock, right? When when a bill goes through the legislative process, just about almost every single bill first gets assigned to a committee. And that committee chair has all kinds of power. Now, different states kind of have different rules, but typically speaking, if a committee chair wants to make sure that a bill never gets heard, they can do it. It's called a pocket veto. They just don't docket it. If a committee chair wants to make sure that a bill is going to die, they can send it to the, they can create their own subcommittee within a committee that they can make sure that that bill goes to and dies. If they want to make sure the bill gets out, they can create a situation where it's guaranteed to get out. Like committee chairs have a huge amount of power in general with anything that goes to their committee. Appropriations chairs basically decide what this budget's going to look like. I mean, the amount of power an appropriations chair has is incredible. In Pennsylvania, the, <laughs> the chair of appropriations of both the Senate and the House lost their seats. Both wow. chambers. Both chambers. So the two most important people in the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that are effectively responsible for writing the first draft of the state budget. Yeah. And they're in the Republican Party. Yep. Both lost their prize. So first off, for those of you at home, we're kind of experts at primaries. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They're not easy at all. <laughs> and now I think the statistics are like 80 to 90% of primaries end in the incumbent winning period, yeah. period yep. that that's not even taking into account. And, and that, that includes primaries against again, one term freshmen. Yeah. When you take that metric and you, you raise that bar to chairman of appropriations, you're talking like top tier level oh, yeah. of leadership. These are people that have unlimited pockets. They've probably been in office for 10, 15, 20 years. Yep. Right, they've got connections all over the state, not just in their own district, everywhere. And they and these guys probably got the endorsements of ninety percent of their caucus members. Yeah. And they and not only did they lose their primaries, didn't they lose them in like basically like landslide margins in some it, of these it, cases? It, it, it depends. Some of them did. Some of them got absolutely crushed. And again, I'm not saying that edu- school choice was the only reason, but in a lot of these cases, I mean, if, the if one thing that they all have in common. At, yeah, if you're if you're looking at it, you're like, okay, why did this person lose their seat? Like, oh, okay, well, it turns out they took a very unpopular vote with respect to killing school choice. And then, again, guys like Corey DeAngelis, once again doing yeoman's work, are going out there and saying, hey, this this guy said this and then did this, or this bill died because of this person. Primary challenge, beaten. And you know what? Good. I, I will say it right now. Good. If you're someone that is going to tell your constituents you believe in options for parents and students, and then you kill it, in, in the, you know, I hope you lose. I hope you get a primary challenger and I hope you lose because this is one of the most fundamental things affecting our country, our communities, our families as a whole. And when we are starting to see more and more instances of the very institutions that are supposed to serve the public, the only reason they exist is to educate children. They don't exist to create jobs. They don't exist to create nice building. They exist to educate our students. And when they go to such lengths to push stuff onto our kids and then lie to the parents about it and then go as far as the National Association of School Boards did where they actually had a memo to the Department of Justice and the Biden administration calling in for law enforcement investigations, National Guard presence at school board meetings under domestic terrorism laws because parents were showing up going, hey, the, the veil's been lifted. I know what's going on in the classroom right now. I know what's going on in my kid's school and I'm not happy about it. And then they get treated like they're the criminals. And then the response we get in the general assembly when we try to back them up is you're racists. You know what? Keep doing that. What's interesting is that a lot of these parents showing up um, and making their presence known and even this gaining national news and everything of that nature has not stopped some of these decisions to continually be made up in Fairfax. They literally just last week voted to... um, make it policy that they can suspend your fourth grader for misgendering um, a student that's a friend of theirs. So, and that can actually uh, be equated to uh, dead naming. And if you don't know what dead naming is, it's if, you know, Timmy um, was really good friends with Mikey in second grade 
And then in third grade, Mikey decides he's Mary. And so now it's Mary. But Timmy, still knowing his friend that he grew up with, accidentally calls him Mikey again. Um, now he can be suspended for malicious dead naming, misgendering. And I mean, we are going to, this is interesting because this isn't just limiting speech. You know, we talk about the first amendment and the fact that, you know, the, the, the state is not supposed to come in and tell you what you are and are not allowed to say. However, um, this goes a step further because this is compelling speech. This is saying you will say this or else, even if it's not, uh, it's not a legal name change, nothing like that. It's that they decided one day that they're changing their name to this and that you, you better not use the old name. That's called dead naming. You know what it reminds me of? One of the two things that made Jordan Peterson famous. Yep. First one was the Kathy. Well, no, first one was, um, Canadian Bill C-16, Yep, which was, as Peterson said, and by the way, the, all the, the videos are on YouTube of, of him exchange, having this exchange with members of the Canadian Parliament over this, and he was defending freedom of speech there, and he, he was grilling them on, on you know, Canadian history and law, and, and he made the argument, and I think successfully so, that um, this Canadian bill was a compelled speech bill. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this, this bill was very similar, not exact, obviously, but very similar to what just happened in Fairfax County. And then the second one was the Kathy Newman interview that came after that, where she said, oh, you got in trouble for, for, you know, you know, threatening trans, you know, students of yours and saying that that you're not going to call them by their preferred pronouns. And he was like, I didn't do any of that stuff. I stood up in front of the Canadian parliament and said, this is compelled speech. And for you to criminalize people for not speaking the way that you want them to is immoral and wrong. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it's what I find so fascinating is, is that a lot of these things that, that, you know, these left-wing school boards are going to push for, they're already in the code. Bullying is already yeah. punishable. It, it, what, what, but, oh, but they, they're, they they're even, taking that beyond bullying. And now, like you said, they're, they're making it about a compelled speech thing. And, and at that point, it's I mean, I hope that somebody challenges this on First Amendment grounds, because yeah. this is not I guarantee you this is not going to be the end of it. It's we'll not going to end in Fairfax County. No. We'll see if these if these school board members hold on to their seats. But this is the thing is. They feel untouchable. Yeah. They feel protected. And as long as voters do not stand up and hold them accountable and. I mean, have a challenger as a referendum on their votes. It, as long as that does not occur, these people will become more and more emboldened. Yeah. That is always what happens when somebody is primaried or somebody is challenged and then they still overwhelmingly win because people aren't paying attention because everyone's falling asleep at the wheel. That's what happens. They're emboldened and now they'll do it even more. They well, will double and triple down I, I the think- next year. No, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. You, I mean, you have to you obviously have to hold them accountable at the polls. But the other thing that I'll just tell parents at this point is and, and I, I get pushback for this all the time. Um, changing your school board or changing your state representative of your or your congressperson or whatever, that that is one approach. I think it's a necessary one. It is not a sufficient one. Because that happens, what, every two to four years on average. So, OK, you, you've noticed now, let's say your kid's a sophomore. You've noticed now that there's a problem. By the time that you might change a member of your school board, which might lead to some sort of change of policy put forward by the school board, which might actually be implemented yeah. in good faith by the administrators. You're talking like five plus years. Oh, oh, easy. You're talking easy. your grandkids they are about to enter Idaho, the school system at that point. In Idaho, right, which is one of the most conservative states in the union, in Idaho, the legislature did all that. They passed rules that said you can't teach CRT. And then I think it was a uh, Veritas project went undercover, started talking to school administrators and they said, Oh, we can't call it CRT, but yeah, we do this, that ladies and gentlemen, if they're determined to do this, if they're determined to push this on your children, they're going to push it. They just are because they've been doing it now for a while and they've gotten away with it. In fact, in many cases they're celebrated for doing it. They're told that they're actually correcting problems you and society created in your own children. And so bottom line is, if you're waiting for the same people that created the problem to fix it, you're subjecting your kids to this. Now, to be fair, by same people creating the problem to fix it, we don't mean 
you know, those office holders or school administrators or teachers no. that are opposed to this stuff because there's many people in politics and there's many people in the public school system that do oppose this. Yeah, no, there, there are, but here's the problem. More and more, okay, <laughs> because of credentialing laws with respect to educators, what, are your, what do all of your teachers have to do before they start teaching? They got to go to college to get a teaching degree, right? And then most of them, in some cases, they have to get a master's degree. Okay, well, what are they learning at these institutions? Extreme left-wing. As a recent college grad and a current master's um, student, it is is, – because I I feel like that that there's a lot of people in politics that are older, in an older generation. They're in their 40s or 50s or 60s. And Hamilton and I are in our mid to late 20s. I graduated from high school. It was 10 years ago this month. And I graduated from college, I guess, what, six years ago? It was it was December 2015. And Hamilton graduated in, what, 2017? 17, yep. yep. So it, we're not that far removed mm. from the public school and uh, university systems. You know, we were there not too, not, not too long ago. And I could tell you 10 years ago, there were things coming down the pipe in the high school system that I only now looking back in retrospect could see, oh, that's where that was going. I remember having a conversation with somebody my uh, senior semester, because I graduated early, my senior semester of uh, college at JMU, James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia, named after one of the great founding fathers. And I remember having a conversation with them in our library. And I told them, I do think one day there's going to be a major push to um, completely rename the university. And I remember this this student who was a center left person, not 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 extremely far left, but definitely to the left of me, um, was like, "No, that'll never happen. We're never going to rename James Madison University." There's people at James Madison University, student body, administrators, professors, et cetera, every, all, all levels that are like pushing to rename the university. And that, that's just one example of like renaming stuff, but like. This is an accelerating train. That's the thing that that people realize. They look at snapshots of this, of where it's at, and they and then they project out. You know, oh, this is this is bad. This is going on everywhere. What they don't realize is the the picture beyond the little snapshot that they looked at. They're they're looking at what's going on now with the misgendering stuff, or with everything that libs of TikTok is sharing, with you know the the school choice fights, with the the racism stuff, the CRT stuff, all that stuff. They're looking at that little snapshot and they think that. That it's it, it, that it, that it's in equilibrium. It's 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 just kind of frozen in time. It's not. If you go back five years ago, or you go back ten years ago, or you go back fifteen years ago, or twenty years ago, and then you look at where we were at then, or even just four or five years ago, you you go back to that then, and then you look at it today, and you realize that the train isn't just moving in one direction. It's accelerating. It's 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 not just moving forward it's moving forward faster than it was yesterday yeah. yeah and it's going to be moving forward faster tomorrow than it is today well and and i don't want people i, I don't want people to think that the only way that they can change anything is by changing the conductor of the train no on some of these things just get off the train get off the train before get it crashes get off the train because this is it is not going to get better um it's not going to get better the way it's currently going this is why it, what, what, it, what it needs, what it needs is more people removing themselves from that particular. And again, yeah. I'm not talking about immigrating to a different country, right? I'm not talking about don't get involved. I'm saying that when it comes to when it comes to something like public education, know what is going on in your schools. And, and that doesn't mean hey, I, I met my teacher for the the that's that's not knowing what's going on in your schools. Because as you said, I know a lot of teachers that are not comfortable with the things that are getting pushed on them. And that are doing their level best to be to keep their job while at the same time not pushing what they recognize are dangerous ideologies on young minds. And, and I have every sympathy for them. But they're not the ones controlling it. And so at some point you've got to look at it, you've got to do your own analysis and say, okay, look, if I cannot, if I cannot effectively change what is going on within a sufficient time frame to where my kid is not being inundated with this for years. This is one of the areas that you can still withdraw from. And, and 
so many parents, and, I, and I've seen this before on Twitter. I had a bunch of people get mad at me like, oh, it's easy for you to say go homeschool your kids, but I'm a single parent or I'm this or I'm that. I, I get it. I get it's hard. I'm not suggesting it isn't. I get that you might be in a situation where you can. But then when we're trying to give you the resources to be able to have an alternative, please don't vote for the other guy. Right? When, when, we're, when we're making the arguments for what is going on, don't get upset with us because we are pointing out what is actually happening in the classroom. And I certainly understand the frustration of anybody that feels that they're not in a financial position to be able to do much about it. But here's the other thing I will tell you. You have also been taught to believe that you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You've been taught to believe you're not qualified to be able to teach your kid how to read. You've been taught to believe that you're not qualified to be able to pick a different educational institution for your child. You've been taught to believe that you can't afford it. In fact, nowadays, they're even creating conditions where you actually might not be able to afford it. But you know what they're going to do the moment they make it so expensive for you? They're going to offer themselves as the alternative. Like, oh, yeah, that's we're doing a nice thing for you. Yeah, we've inflated the currency. We've screwed up the supply chain. We've made it more difficult to hire you. And now you're absolutely dependent upon us for the education and raising of your child. Aren't we nice people? No, you're not. And so I, I but there's also the issue, um, you know, in Christian circles, uh, you know, you got a lot of, you know, people that would be considered to the right, um, the Christian right, who still have their kids in public schools. And uh, one of the most common reasons I get from people for why they still send their children to public school is because they need their kids to be salt and light and that's basically they need to go there and and spread God's word and they are there on mission. We've talked they're, about this before. Where yeah, these these kids are missionaries. And my question back to the parents is this: That's nice. It's a lovely coping mechanism for you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But tell me this: Is your child really on mission? Are they in a mental mindset with you? Feeling led by God to go and do that? Are they really? Or is this you feeling better about where you're sending your child? Is That's just what I'm asking. And I know that sounds really arrogant of me, but sometimes the oh. truth is just the truth. Well, I think, again, nothing. I don't want anything about this to be construed as we're, we're coming after people that are not in a situation oh. where they can homeschool or they can afford private school or whatnot. Believe me, I, I, we work so hard at the General Assembly to try to get funds freed up for parents to be able to have options. Mm-hmm. And But every time we do that, those voters are being told that it's because we want to defund their schools or because we don't like teachers. None of that is true. What is true is that we see stuff like this going on. We see stuff being pushed on our kids. We see the same politicians who one day tell us it's not there, and then when we have irrefutable evidence that it is, turn around and start calling us of a racist, right, if, if, we, if we have some problems with it. And then trying to scare and intimidate parents, either to even show up to a school board meeting and protest it, or to potentially make a, a sometimes very difficult and costly decision to find an alternative education sources for their kids. And what I really want parents to understand is that regardless of what you decide to do with respect to the education of your children, ultimately as parents, we can never, it's always our responsibility. It is not a responsibility we can delegate. We can get help from other people. We can, we can get assistance from people that are good educators. Um, absolutely, but it still falls on us. We are still ultimately responsible for the education of our children. And the people that are so committed to the idea that you should have to send your kids to the schools that they run and who are fighting tooth and nail to make sure that you never are able to redirect the funds allocated for your child to an educational institution that works better for you and for them. Why are we giving them the benefit of the doubt? I don't get that, especially when we're starting to see case after case after case of certain people within that system that are doing the very things that they tell us that they swear to us they're not doing. I have no agenda with respect to the education of your child other than I want you to be able to have options that work for your child. I don't want to control it. I do not want to control your child's education. I I want educational opportunities to be there. You know your kid better than I ever will. You know your kid better than any any one teacher ever will, any administrator ever will. Any politician ever will. Any politician ever will. And this idea 
that we would arrogantly sit back and convince parents that they're not equipped, that they don't have the intelligence, that they don't have the compassion, that they don't have the experience to be able to make what boils down to fairly basic decisions. That smacks to me of an agenda that has very little to do with educating kids and a lot more to do with power control and in some cases, straight up indoctrination. And I'm sorry, but we shouldn't let anybody do that to our kids. So it sounded like you just made the argument right yeah. there. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't really mean to, but the, you didn't but, need here's, a prompt. but here's what I, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. I, I think, I don't know. It might be next episode. might be another one. We're going to do an episode totally dedicated to informing parents out there or people that are, are looking to, you know, they, they know they're going to have kids here pretty soon and they want to be thinking about these things right now. We're going to dedicate an episode to just talking about what it is like. Because we, we've now homeschooled one of our children almost from like first grade all the way through graduating. Um, we've got a, we had a 19-year-old, 16-year-old, and a 14-year-old. So we, we've been through this, and they've been in the public school too. It's not like we don't know what goes on in the public schools. But we've also homeschooled. We've also used homeschool co-ops. Um, I, I've worked with other private educational institutions as well. We started doing this all, and I, we were a single-income family, and I was in the military. So it's not like we were wealthy people when we decided to do this. But the amount of resources that are available out there is incredible. When, when you think about homeschooling, when you think about tuition for private schools, when you think about all these things, you would be shocked at how much it easier and more affordable it is than what you've been told, than what your impression is. You will also be shocked. This is one of the biggest things. You will also be shocked in the strength of the relationship you will be able to have with your children, being able to play more of an active role in what their education looks like. There, there are so many opportunities. I, we're going to need to dedicate an entire episode. Yeah, to I it. think I'd like to do it on Thursday because I, I, I really want parents. And again, listen to this episode. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you think about the, the different options that are out there and then make your own choice because that's ultimately what I think all of us at this table want. We want you to be informed. We certainly don't want you to be misinformed or lied to. And then we want you to be able to make the choice that is best for you and your child, free from the constant fear and intimidation that seems to be coming down regularly from certain members within the political and educational establishment. So tune in. I think we'll do that next episode. Yep, this Thursday. All right. So once again, thank you for joining us on Making the Argument. Um, again, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.